This is Regenerative Skills, the podcast helping you to learn the skills and solutions to create an abundant and connected future. I'm your host, Oliver Gaucher. A quick heads up to all of you out there who dream of starting your own farm one day, or who are striving to improve your existing farm and generate higher profits in a regenerative way. Richard Perkins, who has been interviewed multiple times on this show, including in last week's episode, is now offering an intimate look into how he runs his highly successful farm in a new free mini-series on profitable regenerative farming, which includes some great resources, including a downloadable guide on how to build his rollaway nest boxes, an editable spreadsheet download for the financial modeling of his beef enterprise, and a lot more. The mini-series is open now and is only available for a limited time. It'll shut down on the 10th of June, so don't twiddle your thumbs on this one. Check out the link in the show notes for this episode and start your learning journey right away. Hey everybody and welcome back. Now I've been making some really cool contacts here in Catalonia recently. And even though site visits and trips out to projects have been stalled as the country slowly starts to open up, I've been jumping at any chance to get back out in the field. One of the projects that I've been most excited to get back out to see since my first visit there back in December is the farm at Mas Rajols and the gourmet mushroom growing operation that it hosts called Mycelio. I first got invited to come out to see them by my friend Sven Kallen, who works with the European Commission's Life Terra initiative and is the founder of Volterra, both of which are strongly involved with tree planting projects around the continent. Back then they were just getting set up, but on this second visit just a couple of weeks ago, I got to see just how far the operation has come in its development and in the setup of their production facilities. I've been blown away by just how well thought out the whole project is. They turn waste products from the leavings of the timber industry into multiple high-value products and integrate them with the existing beef cattle operation on the farm that they collaborate with. In the interview in today's session, I got to sit down with Thomas Viggers, the co-founder and product manager of Mycelio, and Jason Statham Doppelganger. I'm not kidding. Check out his picture on our Instagram and you will see what I mean. Anyway, this was to talk about all of the motivations and processes that they've connected to create a high-value gourmet product that also gives back to their environment and a local community. So let's jump right into things and I'll let Thomas introduce himself. My name is Thomas, um, Dutch, um, but I lived uh, different places. Uh, ended up at one point in Argentina where I started experimenting with mushroom cultivation. Uh, but was not able to turn it into a commercial business. And then three and a half years ago, moved to Catalonia and saw an opportunity to um, turn it into a commercial uh, business operation. And um, so started by looking for a space to do this. Um, And that's when we identified where we are now, um, where we found an underground space with almost perfect conditions to grow mushrooms without having to put much energy into it. Tell me about what the context is here that made it possible to start this as a business that didn't work in some of the other places that you've lived. I know there's quite a mushroom culture here in Catalonia. Yeah. Does that mean that there's a market for it or that simply people like to go into the mountains and collect? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Argentina doesn't have uh, 
such a culture of uh, the mushroom consumption is very low. Um, and then it's also hard to start new business and, and because of where we were here when I arrived here immediately saw that there is this mushroom culture everybody goes into the forest in the season and can identify at least two three different mushrooms um, so I saw an opportunity um, even though the mushrooms we're cultivating are not the same ones that you'll typically find in the forest so they're still I still find myself often um, explaining about our mushrooms because, yeah, there's different kind of mushrooms and, and many people don't know about the cultivation side of it. Um, but mushroom as part of a, your diet is, is uh, yeah, people are um, consume quite uh, some mushrooms, but especially during the season. And now here we are with our cultivated mushrooms, which they can consume all year long. So tell me about how you found this space and what were some of the criteria that made it conducive for the business you wanted to start? Yeah. Um, well, mushrooms like uh, humid space with, with a constant temperature. So uh, an underground space is ideal, like uh, a cave. Imagine a cave. Um, if you want to grow them all year long. Otherwise, in a forest, you are limited to the natural conditions of the forest and then you... That's why you find mushrooms in the forest in, in autumn mainly and some in spring. Um, so an underground space is, is ideal because you have constant, more or less constant um, climate inside. So looking for an underground space, um, found this place where um, they had a underground space which was not used and and um, the owners didn't want to rent me the space, but wanted to participate in this project because they saw the potential as well. Um, that's how it started. Well, so describe where we are, because we're listening to this and they can't yes. see all of the, the things that we've been able to tour around today. Explain the location and also the part of Catalonia specifically. Yes. We are in uh, Tavertet, which is about an hour and a half north, like inwards from Barcelona, um, in the Comarca Osona. It's, uh, we're at 1,000 meters altitude here. Uh, we're um, countryside, um, spectacular scene, uh, forests, surrounded by forests, um, and right here right now we're in a in a it's it's an old masia so an old farm that's converted into a hotel and um, they've added a new wing to the original farm and when they did that they also created an underground parking space and when they did that they were left with an underground space that they didn't have an immediate use for but because of the how it was set up, they, they decided to turn it into a space as well. And, and that's the space we ended up using for our mushrooms. So we're inside the mountain in an artificial cave. Yeah, I mean, if I were to describe it, it'd be like where Batman parks his car <laughs> <laughs> in a forest that has something similar to like a Grand Canyon look. 
if it were entirely densely forested and green, right? And there's this little niche inside of this parking hangar that is below a beautiful hotel with some of the most spectacular views that you've ever seen. And because of the microclimate that's created in this artificial cave, the conditions for specifically fruiting mushrooms are conducive. The temperature control and also some of the ways that you can moderate the humidity and the concentrations of CO2, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, correctly. Yeah, we we did install some installations, but they require a minimum amount of energy to to create this perfect climate for growing mushrooms. And yes, it's correct. We're we're talking about the growing the mushrooms. Um, we also now started creating the substrate. That's our new addition to the business. Well, so now we're going to start to unravel all of the moving parts of this business because there's a lot going on here. And so far, we've just talked about the cave environment where we're fruiting the mushrooms, which is the last stage of their life cycle, if I'm not mistaken. Or they That's start to go we, into decline. Yeah, if, yeah. Well, if you can look at the, the mushroom as the final product, then that's the last part. But it doesn't end there. Sure. It just ends when it's in a plastic bag or the mycelium can no longer has enough to consume that it goes into decline. Yeah. Well, if you, if the mushroom is the, the, the product, then yes, at some point the, the, the substrate stops producing mushrooms, but the substrate then in big, we turn it into a compost and it can go back to the forest or so. So there's it's this whole circle. circular life cycle of the production, which is yeah. centered around mushrooms but has so many other beneficial effects for the environment, including outside of this cave environment. So let's talk about what mushrooms need to eat in order to grow and where you're sourcing that material from first. Right. Well, we focus on mushrooms that grow on a wood substrate. There's, there's many different kinds of mushrooms. This is what we focus on. Um, so the substrate we produce mainly consists of wood, um, which we source from the forest we're sur- surrounded by. Um, and then we add some supplements, but it's 90% wood that goes into this substrate. And so how did you identify this as a potential feed material? Did you talk to the owners of the farm first and identify this as like a waste product that they were struggling to deal with? Or did you see an opportunity from a contact that you had and saw an opportunity to put this into production? Well, we started growing mushrooms on substrates that we bought from a provider from far away. Um, But this didn't feel right from the beginning because we're surrounded by this forest here and we were importing woods from far away and then creating our mushrooms. So... um, at one point, we got involved in a European life project called Myco Restore, uh, which gave us the opportunity to um, start using our local resources that we have available here to produce our own substrate. Um, and um, it turned out that the forest and the wood we have here is, is a perfect resource for growing the mushrooms we, we want to grow. Um, and at the same time, we, we are maintaining the forest um, that 
needs to be maintained for, for various reasons. And we can use the material that's not suitable for other perf purposes. We, we can work with small branches and uh, we can turn that all into a perfect substrate for mushrooms. So it's all the different parts came together within this, um, this, uh, this European life project. So how you explained it to me previously is that in an effort to maintain the health of the forest around here, which is occasionally harvested for timber, there's a whole lot of leftover material that tends to litter the floor of the forest. And this can, if accumulated over time, turn into a fuel for a higher risk of wildfires in the dry summers that, that they have here. And so realizing that this was perfect material for the substrate for the mushrooms, tell me about the different processing steps that it goes through before it is sterilized and inoculated with the spores. Yeah. Well, let me also say that it's different if you manage a forest with the objective of harvesting wood. Uh, a company that goes in with that objective takes out different kind of trees than if you go in purely with the objective of um, maintaining the forest. If you want to create a healthy forest, it's different than when you want to get as much wood out that you can sell later on. So um, we go in with a different objective into the forest. Um, once we have this wood, um, the process is that we chip it uh, into small pieces. Um, these wood chips are then also used for the hotel here, which has a biomass burner, which is used to, to heat all the spaces, hot water, etc. Um, and the other part we use for our mushroom production. So these chips are then go through a mill uh, because we need like an even finer um, material to use for the substrate. This, it's, it's not exactly sawdust, but I'll, I'll, I'll call it sawdust for now. Well, so you use a machine called a hammer mill, right? Exactly. Which breaks it into pretty much it's just its fibers. It's almost like a downy material like you would stuff with, uh, with pillows, I would almost say, when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is ideal for, for substrate for mushrooms. You, if you would have sawdust, it would be too compact. And uh, using this hammer mill, we, we maintain like the fiber so we get more structure in our substrate. Um, and we, yeah, we came to the right size of material um, that, that gave us the best results. So then this material is mixed with some supplements that we use. Uh, each mushroom has like a slightly different, uh, like slightly different um, supplements. Uh, this is these ingredients are mixed, and uh, we add water to the right consistency, and then this is bagged and goes into uh, is is being sterilized. After we sterilize it, we sterilize it with steam, hot steam. After sterilization, um, it goes into a clean room where we inoculate it with the mushroom that we want to cultivate. The bags are uh, sealed and go into an incubation space where the, um, the spawn that we've introduced uh, colonizes the substrate, depending on which mushroom this takes from a couple of weeks up to couple of months. 
And what I didn't realize when you first told me about this process is how most mushroom cultivation is not locally sourced for its materials and that some substrate might come from one end of Europe, the spawn might come from another end, the processing facility might be in a different country. And what you've managed to do here is localize the process as much as possible and use resources from the ecology in this area uh, pretty much as waste resources to feed into this production process. Tell me about how it tends to be done in other places. What is more common than this localized production method? Uh, in Europe, the, um, it's, you see a lot of specialized um, companies. There's, it starts with the, the spawn producer, which, which is a very specialized, it's a specialty. It's, a, it's a, like, imagine a laboratory. Then after that, you have the substrate producers. Then you have the, the farmers who grow the mushrooms. And then after that, you have the, the ones who distribute the product, sell it, promote it. Um, we started just growing these mushrooms, buying substrate and selling them to a few customers. Now that we have incorporated the substrate part as well, we, we're no longer dependent on the substrate providers and we can, we're using local resources. We have much more control of our process and, um, we're, well, it's, it makes the whole process more sustainable or it's, it just feels better using local products. And, and in the end, we return it back to the forest. So it, it becomes like, uh, the circular model. That's amazing. And there's so many almost side benefits to this. So we've already talked about the maintenance of the health of the forest. We've talked about the production of nutrient dense and locally produced mushrooms improving the the economy of this area but there's a lot of other things going on on the farm including training of people to do this there's the cattle on the the farm itself there's the creation of new products with the spent substrate can you tell me about each one of those in turn yeah the the, the mushrooms is kind of what links it all but it's true there's a lot going on um where to start um, well, let's talk first about the training program. Who are you bringing in and what's the next generation of people who now know how to produce mushrooms? Right. We, we're bringing in young people from around Catalonia at the moment to be trained in forestry and mushroom production, mushroom production, substrate production. Um, the idea is that we show them, teach them um, how the products from the forest, wood, can, how we can add more value than just providing wood chips. So mushroom is, is the main component, but we also look into uh, other ways of adding value to the, to the wood products um, and giving them um, yeah, better chances to either start their own business um, or find a job in, in, in this field, in this rural area. Um, so that's, yeah, we're training people in this, uh, in this way. All right. Now let's go into what happens to the spent substrate after it's done being able to produce mushrooms. Right. 
after the, 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 when the substrate stops producing mushrooms, we, we, we bring it to, uh, we mix it with, um, cow manure, um, biochar that we're also producing on the site and, um, microorganisms to create a, a compost that can be used, um, in farming. Um, we've, we're currently testing different compositions of this uh, compost and, um, all the, in, all, all the inputs are, are organic certified. So, uh, we will be able to create like, um, a compost of high quality compost. And, um, the idea is to make this into another product that can be sold, um, and yeah, the, the first feedback we're getting is, is very positive. Marvelous. Okay. And then, so this was built around abandoned structures that used to house pigs. Right. And this is another opportunity that exists in a lot of rural areas where a business may have gone under. There's existing infrastructure that's slowly crumbling and has since been repurposed. But there is still a cattle operation here. And this business model has helped that in a number of ways. Can you talk about how the cattle are being managed now within this entire system. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, it, it's true. We are, our substrate production takes place in a former, um, pig operation, which was very contaminating, was intensive, um, pig, um, farm um, and the, the new owners didn't want to continue this but they didn't immediately have a new um, yeah idea what to do with all these structures that were there as well um, before we started with the mushrooms there they already had like a cattle small cattle operation um, organic certified cattle and then um, when we started with the idea of producing our own substrate we yeah we gave a new life to this old pig pig operation and started using the different buildings um and and yeah um rehabilitating for for this new purpose the the cow operation um is now also being linked to the mushrooms because we are using the manure in the compost that we're creating. And we're also looking into um, new products where we can use the, the beef, uh, mixing the beef with our mushrooms and create this, the, a blended burger, the blended burger concept. That's one of the things we're looking into. Um, Besides, uh, also looking into like the, the, the alternative protein field, like protein based on, on mushrooms. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's even these little sub operations on the side that I, uh, I, I like remind me if I miss any, because there's bird and bat boxes going up in the forest that are increasing biodiversity. And, um, there's even, experiments with mushrooms being cultivated in the traditional way of inoculating logs. And I mean, how have so many ideas been able to come together in a way that facilitates the entire operation? A lot of people really struggle to manage one or two operations, but there's a lot of moving parts here. 
how are you managing this complexity? Is it just that each person has uh, an enterprise that they manage on their own? Or was this part of the design from the beginning to have so many synergistic, uh, I guess, branches or elements to this central operation? No, this, this was not uh, thought out from the beginning. This, this, this is a result of the different entities that are involved in this project. Um, because I'm speaking um, from the mushroom business side, but there's also the, the actually the beef, the cattle side, is it's another business. Then there's also Volterra is involved. They are doing uh, the biochar and, and the, the birdhouses you are referring to. Um, so there, there's a bunch of, of um, parties involved and, and it's the synergy between these different parties that are involved that um, yeah, creates has all these new initiatives. And um, yeah, so far they, uh, they really um, connect uh, well. And um, referring to your, the, the, the log cultivation that we've also started, we we started doing workshops uh, showing people the traditional way of mushroom cultivation and we want to also link that to the hotel uh, so we can show people people can stay in the hotel uh, we can teach them everything about the traditional way of cultivating mushrooms the, 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 the new way of cultivating mushrooms collecting mushrooms in the forest and um, as you've seen here, we also have a restaurant, so um, people can also then try uh, the mushrooms we grow. So we can show the whole process from from managing the forest to eating the mushrooms here in the restaurant. It's amazing. And now that I've seen it in person throughout all of these steps and multiple times as this operation has grown and continues to develop, it's it's really impressive. Since you're focused on the mushrooms themselves, let's talk mushrooms. So tell me about the different varieties that you produce here and how you came to choose these ones specifically. Right. Well, first of all, we grow mushrooms that grow on, on wood substrate. So uh, the best known um, variety that we grow is uh, shiitake. Um, which is an, originally from Japan, uh, China. Uh, we also grow some uh, mushrooms that you can find here in the forest. Um, for example, the, the king oyster and the hen of the woods, um, which people love because it's a mushroom that's hard, mushrooms that are hard to find in the forest. And, and you can, if you can find them, you can find them only in the season. Now people can enjoy them all year long and they're clean and they are from a source where they know they're not uh, taken out of the forest. Um, and then we are also working with other varieties that are not so well known and um, working with, with chefs to, yeah, introduce them. Chefs are always interested in new varieties. Um, but then we also have to see that the, the consumer is actually, um, um, yeah, willing to explore these new varieties. And so you're managing a number of different fruiting cycles and different potential markets for each one while also 
dealing with the marketing to a culture that is perhaps not used to eating mushrooms most associated with Asian cuisine. How have you been finding the response outside of maybe niche restaurants or markets or, or chefs who are willing to experience, experiment with it? Are you seeing a lot of interest from the general public or is this probably going to remain a niche product for, for a while? No. Um, well, speaking about shiitake, for example, was is or was already introduced here about 20 years ago. So that there's a whole history and, and pe most people know shiitake and, but the other varieties are not so known, but, um, there's, a, there's, um, yeah, bigger increasing interest every day, uh, because people are looking for uh, healthy food and healthy alternatives to meat. Um, and um, also alternatives that are um, uh, healthy for the planet. And um, mushrooms can, can offer this. Uh, and we see also in the media, there's a lot of interest now for, for mushrooms. Um, but at the same time, there's still a, f a lot of work to do. And so we also put quite some effort into uh, promoting our product. Yeah, I remember from last time, I think it was the wine caps that you let me try. And I brought those home and we did like a shredded barbecue, almost pulled pork style sandwich, which came out so good. I got to send you pictures of those, man. That was a delicious sandwich. Um, so this project is still in development. You've come a really long way since I first came to see it a couple of months ago. But tell me about the vision moving forward. How much are you going to increase in production and, and in your setup? And where are you hoping that this will be in the next couple of years? Yeah. Um there's a couple of directions and a couple of things we're working on. Um, first thing is that we, now that we are producing substrate, we want to give other people also the opportunity to start growing mushrooms using our substrate because producing substrate is, is, is the most, the hard part. Um, so we are going to, uh, we want to help start other people uh, start their, their mushroom production by teaching them uh, what kind of space they need and then providing the, the main input, which will be our substrate. So that, that's one part. And, and we're looking at the whole of Spain. Um, other part is the, the protein, uh, the, the alternative, meat alternative. Um, we're looking into using mushrooms to into like burgers, etc. Um, potentially also mycelium. Um, it's more research involved there. We're working with a couple of uh, research institutes on this. And then the other thing, in order to cre increase our sales of fresh mushrooms, we are also looking into. Um, intensifying our cooperation collaboration with other um, mushroom producers here uh, and start some kind of cooperative so we can start doing our sales, uh, distribution and promotion uh, together more. Yeah, so we can reach more people and our products um, yeah, can be enjoyed by more people. And so how does this look from a business perspective? Is this something that you would recommend 
should say, a, a first-time or an early entrepreneur get into? Is it something that you can run on a small scale or does it require the size and the infrastructure that you currently have? If we're talking about growing mushrooms uh, by buying substrate, you can grow this in a small scale and, and you can think of like, you can grow this in, in a shipping container. Uh, you can easily equip a, a shipping container with installations to create the right climate to grow mushrooms. And you can place this container close to a city um, and start producing mushrooms with substrates uh, within a matter of weeks. Um, so yes, this this is that that's what we now want to promote uh, and and help people start producing mushrooms. Um, and and yeah, this requires little investment, relatively little investment. If you compare it at at like the whole operation that we have now here in place, where we produce our substrate and and all the other uh, parts that are involved, but just growing mushrooms. Using our substrate, anybody can start growing mushrooms within within weeks. Awesome. And so where can people go to find your products and maybe learn more about this process and potentially even replicate it or start up something similar wherever they are? Yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody's welcome to contact us. Um, mycelio dot eu and on social media mycelio organic um, you can contact us you can come visit us and uh, we'd love to uh, show you around and uh, share our uh, enthusiasm for uh, mushrooms fantastic and i highly recommend that i've been here now two times and it's better every time that i come this place is really impressive there's a lot going on Everything from the management of the forest, the mushrooms themselves, the community aspect. And you got to check out this restaurant too. What they do with the mushrooms is really cool. Uh, Thomas, man, thanks so much for taking the time. It's been such a joy getting to see this operation and seeing it grow in such a short time. Great. Thanks. You're uh, welcome anytime to come uh, see us uh, continue on this uh, journey. Oh, I certainly will. In fact, count me in for one of those trainings one of these times. I really want to learn how to get involved and do this more myself. All right. I'll let you know. All right. Thanks, man. See ya. All right. That wraps things up for this session, but I really hope you enjoyed learning about all the ways that Thomas and his team have found to have a positive impact on their ecology and their community through their mushroom production business models, because I'm definitely going to be going back for more visits in the near future. I was also able to record a great interview during this visit with Sven Kallen, who I briefly introduced in the intro for this episode. He was also instrumental in getting this project off the ground, so keep a lookout in the next couple of weeks for my interview with him, where we'll be talking about reforestation and tree planting initiatives in Europe. And like always, these episodes are just the start of the ongoing discussion happening on our Discord server, and this week, the questions that we'll be exploring in the community are... What opportunities do you have to close the loop on the resources and waste cycles of your business or of your household? What waste streams could be processed into valuable products or recycled back into the systems that they come from? If you haven't already hopped on the server, you can always join for free by clicking the link in the show notes or on our homepage at regenerativeskills.com. Now, a special thanks to Thomas Vigors for sharing his knowledge and experience. 
You can learn more about Mycelio at mycelio.eu or on their Instagram at MyceliOrganic. Thanks to Carmen Maria and Edu Espinal for this week's original music. If you'd like to have your own original music featured on the show or just want to get in touch, you can email me directly at info at regenerativeskills.com. Until next time, keep taking those little steps every day towards a regenerative future, and I'll be right by your side along the way. <laughs>